This is one of our family's favorites. You are holy. scripture reading this morning is found in Exodus 34, 5 through 7. The Lord came down from the from the Lord came down in the cloud and stood there with him and proclaimed his name, the Lord. And he passed in front of Moses, proclaiming, The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abundant in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. Yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children and their children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation. Amen. Thank you all so much for your participation in the service. It's such a great blessing um, uh, for us all to be able to do so. 
<clears throat> thankful for the opportunity and um, <clears throat> it's uh, it's wonderful to see everyone. I hope you all had a good week and uh, it's just a blessing to be here. Um, let's see. I'm going to clear some stuff off here. You all know that I moving helps me think. So that's why I move so much, or at least I feel like it does. <clears throat> Let's pray together, and we'll get into our sermon. Kind Father in heaven, thank you so much, Lord, uh, just for the gift, the opportunity to be here. Thank you for the many gifts and talents that were shared with us this morning, and, and people who are willing to, to serve. And uh, Lord, we just pray for your special blessing over each person here and over the, their homes, their families. Just now, Lord, as we are entering into our, our sermon time, I pray for, Lord, for your spirit to be with us in a special way and that you would speak to each heart, each mind. Please draw us closer to you in some meaningful way. We love you and we thank you and we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. What's in a name is the title of the sermon. Uh, names mean a lot of things. Uh, with a name comes a reputation, a familial reputation. And uh, hopefully it's a good one. It can be good or it can be bad. People can be known by their familial attributes. And I hope that in your family name, it's, it's a good thing, that you have a good name. The Bible tells us that a, a good name is to be chosen rather than choice silver, rather than riches. Uh, I was, uh, when I was 17 years old, I was just learning, I, not just learning, like I had been sitting in church, but that doesn't mean I got anything out of it, but I had been in church for a number of years, but when I was 17 is when I really just kind of began grappling with the bigger questions in life, like what am I going to do, what's my reason for being, why am I here, so I was grappling with these questions. Um, but up until that point in time, in high school, I went to public high school, and I did all the same things that my friends in public high school did. So we regularly met on the weekends with each other, and uh, we would go to parties, and we did that whole scene. One such occasion, I had left a party with a friend, and we were going home, and he and I had a curfew. A lot of our friends did not have one. We were leaving... And we had been doing all of our normal stuff. Mind you, we're 17. We're underage for everything. You don't have, there's nothing legal that I can do uh, as far as, uh, uh, you know, any sort of substance of any kind, even if it was tobacco. And uh, so we left that party. We drove home. And I dropped him off. And we both lived in the country. So I dropped him off, and I was driving home, the back roads home. That's really was the most direct route for me. So I'm driving, and it's like midnight, 1 o'clock in the morning. I'm driving home, and I'm about five. We're about five or six miles apart, and I'm driving, and there's nobody on the roads. It's out in the middle of nowhere. Not middle of nowhere, but, you know, it's a rural, somewhat semi-rural area. Driving home, and uh, I... I was doing something where I was switching out a CD in my CD player or something. I don't remember exactly what I was doing. But as I was doing that, a car went by me this way. And I, you know, I don't know if I jerked the wheel or what I did. And so I kept on driving. 
Well, all of a sudden, just out of nowhere, there was these, these headlights that were just right on my rear end, just right in the rear view. So I'm getting really nervous. I'm like, oh, boy, what is, what's this about? Where did this person come from? There's been nobody for miles. And I must, as I was messing with the CD player, um, I didn't know anything had happened, where this car came from. And uh, so I kept driving, and he follows me. Now we're going like three, four miles. I'm almost to my house. I'm like, boy, and there's no street lights. Um, and so I'm, I'm getting nervous about what this car is and what it, what is, why it's following me so close. And so as we're traveling northbound on the road that I, my, I the, the paved road, I had to turn left to go to the east or to the west, on my road, and there was a street light. And so when I turned left, and I saw, I could see in the rear view what that car was. And it was a black and white car. And I, my driveway, as I turned to the west, just 100 yards was my driveway. And so I pulled in, and as soon as I put the blinker on to go into my driveway, he turned on all of his lights. And so I'm pulling into my driveway, and uh, I pull in, I pull into my parking spot, and he comes walking up to the door, and he's just real agitated. He's real irritable just right off the bat. Here I am, 17-year-old kid. I'm scared to death. And uh, he comes up to the door, and he's asking me all, firing off all these questions, where I've been, what I'm doing. You're not driving very good. What's wrong with you? You've been drinking. What have you been doing tonight? And I'm just, you know, doing my best to deny everything uh, terribly. And uh, I've never been a good liar. Um, and so anyway, um, he's, he's, you know, after I'm just giving him the runaround for a while, he's like, you know what, just get out of the car. And so he pulls me out, and they're patting me down and going through all my stuff and going through the vehicle, and they're finding stuff that I shouldn't have. And uh, so I'm getting really scared. And he gives, me a, he gives me a field sobriety test. I failed that, too. So he puts me in the back of the cop car, in my driveway, right? Car, lights flashing, parents are inside sleeping. <laughs> to this day, they still don't know this happened. <laughs> so I'm in the back of this cop car, and I'm terrified. There was a couple times I felt like I was going to pass out, like I, when, they were, when they were going through this process. So after I failed the sobriety test, he was really just laying into me like, yeah, I could take you to jail right now. I've got this. I've got this. I've got this. It was like three charges. He's like, I could take you to jail right now. And um, he's like, you, once you have this on your record, you know you're going to have all kinds of problems with going to college and acceptance and all that stuff. And he was really laying into me. I was really scared. And um, I, for whatever reason... You know, we get through this 45-minute ordeal. I don't know how long it was. And he's like, um, something, I think he left off on the school thing. And he's like, if this ever comes up again in the system, he's like, if you ever come up for this again, he's like, you'll go to jail. And I'm just like, okay, I'm, I'm really sorry. And he's like, okay, well, you can go on about your way, but you shouldn't be driving anymore. I was like, well, I'm home. I'm not going to drive anywhere. I'm just going to go to bed. He's like, okay, that's a good idea. And so he left. He let me go. I don't know why. I still, you know, I didn't, at the time, I was really confused. He had enough stuff to go on to take me to jail, to give me a ticket, some sort of misdemeanor charge, something he could have nailed me with. 
I put it together in my, in my mind a few years later when I was a little more mature and understood what was going on. Probably when I was, I don't know, in my early 20s, I realized what happened. The truck that I drove all through high school was my grandfather's truck. And he lived just around the corner. And so the truck was registered in his name. And he lived just, you know, not even a quarter of a mile away from my house. My grandfather was the county commissioner. And so he was like his boss, in a way, in a, in a kind of in a little upper echelon boss. And so I got off that night because of my last name, who I was affiliated with, who was my kind of the guy that was over me, whose vehicle it was. I got off that night because of my last name. My last name is what saved me. I realized it a number of years later. Because there was no other reason why he would have done that. Um, The Bible tells us that a good name is to be chosen rather than great riches. In our scripture reading, let's turn there in our Bibles, Exodus chapter 34. I'm going to read something from Exodus 33 as well. Exodus 33 and 34. I'm going to start out with 33. The Bible tells us, I'm going to read 33, 18, and 19, and then we'll go into 34. We'll, we'll kind of figure out why, why this is happening in 34. He says in 33, 18, and Moses said to God, please show me your glory. Verse 19, God says, I will make all my goodness pass before you, and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. And so God goes through and he, you know, he hides him in the cleft of the rock and and Moses is able to only see kind of the back of God as he's walking by. And the Bible tells us in Exodus 34, 5 to 7, as Bob was reading for us, it says, Now the Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord there. And the Lord passed by him, and he proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abounding in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands and forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, by no means clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. So here God is proclaiming his name. What is his name synonymous with in this text? He's proclaiming the name of the Lord. What is he naming off though? What is God's name associated with? Any thoughts? His goodness, his mercy, his grace, his long-suffering, his patience. He's proclaiming his character. This is who he is, right? He's proclaiming who he is before Moses. And his name is synonymous with his character. He's merciful. He's gracious. He's long-suffering. He's abounding in goodness and truth. 
keeping mercy for thousands and forgiving the iniquity of transgression and sin. This is who God is. The Bible tells us that God is love, right? And these are all attributes that describe what love is. If we go back just a few chapters, we're in Exodus 34, but I want you to think back to Exodus chapter 20. What's happening in Exodus chapter 20? Just, just two words. Ten Commandments. Thank you. So the Ten Commandments are happening in Exodus chapter 20. What's the third commandment? Somebody said it? Don't take the name of the Lord in vain, right? Is that what you said, Sister Dagny? Yeah, don't misuse. So don't take the name of the Lord your God in vain. We often think of this commandment as saying we don't use the name of the Lord in vain. We don't use it in a flippant or careless way, which it does mean that to some level, to some degree. But there's a deeper meaning behind it. For example, the Jews, uh, when they would come and they would be reading the scriptures, when they would be reading Hebrew scripture, they would come to the name of God in reference to this commandment. They would come to the name of God and they would not even utter the name. Um, and theological, our theological term for the name of God is the tetragrammaton. When they would come to that, which that's the translation we have for Jehovah or Yahweh, um, they would come to that and they would not even utter the name. They would replace it with the word Adonai. Um, the word is a strange looking word. It, I don't even try to utter it. Um, our both translations don't even really, don't even really fit what it's saying. I don't even know what, you know, Jehovah's Anyway, um, it's there. You know, it's something people use as the name of God, and the meaning is there behind it. But um, they would come to that word, and they wouldn't even utter the word because of the sacredness of the name of God. Um, And so that's how we often think of it. Don't um, use it in a flippant or careless way. However, when we read about the attributes and we read about what the name of the Lord means... It, it kind of takes on a different meaning, right? It's not just about uttering syllables in a, in a right or a wrong way. It becomes something more when we're talking about not taking the name of the Lord in vain. I'm going to give you an example. I think it, I think it also, well, first, before I go there, bef- I think, this is, what I'm, this is what I'm proposing to you all today, that not taking the name of the Lord in vain is not saying I'm a Christian, not saying I'm a follower of God, not saying I'm a follower of Jesus, and then living in a way that is totally contradictory to his character. Okay? Does that make some sense? I'm going to flesh this out a little bit more. So we, don't, we aren't taking his name in vain in the sense that we're not saying we're a Christian, saying we're a follower of Jesus, but then living in a way that is totally contradictory to the character attributes that we just, we just read about that describe God's name, who he is. For example, in, Christian, in Christendom, for the last you know, 2,000 years of existence, and even so we think when we think of a marriage, you know, traditionally, when a husband and wife get married, the woman takes the name of the husband, right? Isn't that how it traditionally works? Following me. So 
when she takes the name, she's taking the, the reputation of that family, of that husband. She's taking on his name. And what it means. A good example of this is uh, um, Emily's mom has a friend. Her name is Kathy Hubbard. She's probably in her early 70s by now. Um, and she married a man named Jim Hubbard. Jim comes from a, a very hardworking family, very, uh, you know, just think traditional, uh, the guy you would want as your neighbor, hardworking man. He lost his arm in Vietnam. And he made a decision or something. I, I think it was just built into the family. Like, this, we don't give up. We don't quit. We don't, we, this is not going to affect my life. He's saying he, he actually was known as such a hard worker. He worked so hard all the time. He was always, as almost as if he was trying to, to make sure that that never held him down and that he was never seen as less. A lot of people would say he could work harder than a man with two arms because he just pushed himself to that level. And Kathy very much embodied, or she took those attributes on herself. And she would say, you know, we Hubbards, we don't, we don't quit. We don't give up. We don't take charity from anybody. We don't, you know, she, she operated, since I've known her, she's been operating with her heart at like 10, 12, 14% functioning. I don't even know how she's been living all these years. But she has this mentality, like we don't quit. She only has one lung. She very much took those attributes of the family and embodied those attributes of we Hubbards, we don't, we don't quit. We don't give up. We don't take charity. We don't, you know, we are going to, uh, whatever, just very good, hardworking people, honest people, people you would want as your neighbor. You trust them with your life. Um, and this is what God is saying. Just in the same way that Kathy very much embodied the name or the attributes of her husband's family, God is saying, don't take my name in vain. We are the bride of Christ. The relationship of the marriage is the same relationship that God is, is describing with us. We are his bride. We were reading about it in Ephesians this morning for our Sabbath school. So, when we are in a relationship with Jesus Christ and he is living in us and through us, his name, his character attributes is what should be seen in our life. Merciful, gracious, loving. We, we see in the Bible that this is who God is. And so when we enter into a relationship with Jesus Christ, we're not taking his name in vain. We aren't living in a way that contradicts him or that brings a bad name upon him. We are living in a way that reflects his character. This is what God is saying when he says, don't take my name in vain. Don't profess to be in a relationship with me. Don't profess to be a follower of me, dedicated to me, but then you're living just like the world. Don't profess to be one of my followers and then give me a bad name by how you treat people so poorly. Does your language reflect someone who has a relationship with me? Does your conduct reflect someone who has a relationship with me? Are you manifesting the character, the name of God? Because God's name is synonymous with his character. Now, we all fall short. We all fail at different times. But God is looking at the trajectory of our life. He's not looking at the slip of a tongue. He's not looking at 
um, a knee-jerk reaction that we did or said the wrong thing, but what is the overall trajectory of my life? Am I growing in his likeness? Is it, is it, can I see a difference over the course of three to five years? And I look back five years ago, ten years ago, and I'm like, boy, I am not the same person that I was because of my relationship with Jesus Christ. He has he's performed a miraculous act in my life. Uh, I worked in trades all, almost all the way through my 20s, about, probably about eight years of my 20s. Um, and I'm a welder by trade, and I worked with a lot of rough guys um, in, in two different factories, two different manufacturing facilities. And they all knew who, who I stood for. They knew that my, they, they knew my, my moral code, my moral compass. By that point in time, especially in my mid to late 20s, I wasn't like waffling like I was when I was 17. I had made a decision that I was going to follow Jesus. I became a Seventh-day Adventist when I was 23 years old. And so I had made a firm commitment to the Lord that I, I didn't see it this way, but I saw it in a way that I want to be an example of Jesus. I want to reflect his character to the world around me. And so these guys, through the years, they knew that about me. And so their language is horrible. Their lifestyle on the weekends was how I lived as a teenager. And... Um, they would do things specifically to try to like tempt me to to break my code of ethics, you might say, or to uh, say or do the wrong thing. Uh, one time, my my uh, and I'm not I'm not I'm not giving you these stories to like glorify myself. This is just examples of who we want to be, who we want to be known as, as people of integrity, people who do the right thing. Um, they knew that I didn't cuss. They knew that I didn't smoke. I didn't swear. I didn't drink. I didn't do any of those things with them. And one time, um, the engineer for our department, he came to me. He was my age. He was the same age as me, maybe even a year younger, year older. And he came to me, and, and we're all standing in a group talking about whatever. And how this came about, I can't remember. But he said, Drew, he said, I'll give you $250 if you'll swear in front of all of us. And I'm like... Why would I do that? And he's like, well, it'll just prove that money can buy anything. And it can even, and it can even change a religious person. And uh, I'm like, well, I'm, I'm not going to do that. Um, and mind you, at the time, I desperately needed $250. <laughs> it would have came in really handy. But it would have destroyed my witness. And after I left that shop some years later, uh, I guess it was a year after I left that shop, that same guy who we had had many conversations, religious conversations, he was a smart guy. He called me a year after I left. He said, thanks so much for being a solid witness here. He said he's, he had a year or two after he had turned his life over to Jesus, and he is now a Christian. And um, I haven't got to talk to him for a few years uh, since I was, probably since I was at Southern. But he he is now a Christian because of the witness that he saw. And mind you, all of these wonderful things that happen, like being an honest, upright person, telling the truth, being a person of integrity, those are God's attributes. They're not mine. So whatever good I have accomplished in my life is because Christ prompted me to do so first, and I merely responded to what he asked me to do. I can't claim anything good in and of myself. If you could have seen who I was prior, that was me right? The, the, the guy who did all the wrong things. So I'm giving God the glory for where he's brought me in my life. 
And um, if, we, if we didn't have the Word of God, if we didn't have the Bible to be a guide for us in our lives, if we didn't have the Holy Spirit, we would have all self-destructed a long time ago. So praise God that he didn't let us go. Praise God that he didn't give up on us. Praise God that he preserved his word all these years as a guide in our lives. Um, another such occasion, same shop, same place, different guy. Um, I w- went to the vending machine and I got something out of the vending machine. And when I, this is just minuscule stuff, but it's just when we're faithful in small things, God will entrust us with greater things later on in our lives. And um, I went to the vending machine. And I got something out, and when I did that, something else fell out with it. I don't remember even what I was getting. And it was a candy bar that I didn't want, and I didn't pay for it, the extra thing that fell out. And so I set it on the bench between he and I, my, the partner that I worked with. We had a shared bench that we kept food at or whatever. And uh, it was there for a few days, and he's like, hey, what's the deal with this candy bar sitting here? It's been here for like three days now. I'm like, oh, yeah, it fell out of the vending machine when I was getting it the other day. I'm waiting till Tuesday when... Jerry or whoever comes back to refill it, I'll give it back to him. He said, you're kidding me. He said, eat that candy bar. <laughs> I, said, I said, I didn't pay for it. I don't want it. I'm not going to eat it. I'll give it back to Jerry when he comes back. And he's just like, I can't believe that. That's unbelievable. Why would you do that? I'm like, I, again, I don't want it. I didn't pay for it. I'll just give it back. And he just couldn't believe that, you know, somebody would, somebody would just do the right thing. That was unbelievable to him. Um, and there's been other times that probably the Lord, ble- sometimes the Lord just blesses you with extra things, um, and, and you just praise God for them that maybe you, you did or didn't pay for, and it was just like, wow, I didn't, I don't remember this being in there, how to, anyway. Sometimes you're just blessed, and, and um, it depends on the situation. In that situation, God was using my life to be a witness to somebody else that he's, he's an honest God. Anyway. We don't want to take the name of the Lord in vain in which we profess to be a Christian. We profess to be a follower of Jesus and then live just like the world. Then live just like the rest of them. Okay? We're, we're giving God a bad name. We're taking his name in vain. Everybody in those, both of those shops knew who I was and what I stood for. There were definitely days that I struggled. And there were days that I probably didn't reflect his name the right way. But the overall trajectory of my time there, they knew who I was and what I stood for. When we take the name of Jesus, we treat people differently. We speak differently. We act differently than the world around us. Not only the world around us, but we're that same Christian person in our homes, at work, at the office, whatever our our calling is. We want to reflect the name of Jesus. These are his attributes. They're not ours. We don't boast in ourselves. If not for the grace of God, if not for his word that teaches us how to live, then we would all go by the wayside. So we aren't better than anybody else. We're only good because of what? Of of him. We're only good because we made a choice to respond to his spirit in that moment. And we all as human beings have that opportunity on a daily basis. My desire at the time was just to manifest the character of God, the fruit of the Spirit in my life. That's my desire, and still is to this day. Jesus tells us, let's actually look this up really quick. I'm closing. John chapter 17. 
This is Jesus' prayer to his Father. John 17, John 14 through 13 through 17 are probably some of my favorite chapters in the Bible. Chapter 17, Jesus is praying. He's in the final hours of his life. And he says this. John chapter 17 and verse 6. He says, I have manifested, this is him praying to his father. He says, I have manifested your name to the men you have given me out of the world. They were yours, you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Jesus said he manifested his Father's name. What did Jesus manifest to the world? What did he manifest to us? What did he manifest to his disciples? God's character, right? He manifested God's love for humanity to the world around him. He manifested the loving kindness, the patience, the kindness, the goodness, the gentleness, the faithfulness. He manifested the Spirit of God. So we don't want to take this holy name in vain. The name of God is synonymous with his character, and that is what Jesus manifested to the world. What does it mean to ask for something in the name of Jesus? It's coming to him in his character, in his humility, saying, Lord, this is my will, but nevertheless, not my will be done in this prayer, in this situation, no matter what it is. Not my will, but let yours be done. It's it's an attitude. it It is one of authority. The name of Jesus is authoritative. The Bible says that Jesus said, he said, all authority has been given to me. So the order has been restored back to the Creator. But it also means we're coming in the name with the character of Jesus as we're coming to God in prayer. I'm coming, Lord, this is my will, this is my desire, but ultimately I am surrendering my life to your will. Jesus' life was one of surrender to his Father. And that is exactly how he's asking us to come to him in prayer, that our lives are one of surrender, one of submission, one of humility to the will of God, whatever that is. In the marriage relationship, the bride takes the name of the husband, and in our relationship with Jesus, it's a, it's a, that's a small kind of microcosm, that marriage relationship. When we come to Jesus, we're taking his name. We're taking his attributes, and we don't want to take his name in vain. We have to plead for him to live in us and through us so that people can see who he is. We want to be a blessing to the world around us. Don't take his name in vain means don't proclaim to be one of his children. Don't take his name saying, I'm a Christian, I'm a child of God, but then living and treating people terribly like a a perfect perfect heathen. Taking his name means something. Yes, we don't take his name in a flippant or careless way, but it means that we don't live in a flippant or careless way when we name the name of Jesus. Titus chapter 1, verse 16 says that they profess to know God, but in works they deny him. 
being abominable, disobedient, and disqualified for every good work. We don't want to take the name of God, but in our works, deny him. That's what Paul is pointing out in Titus chapter 1. Jesus told us to pray in his name. God told us in the third commandment, don't take his name in vain. It means we're praying because of his merits, his authority. God's name, we're coming in a a humble spirit. In the spirit of Jesus. What's in a name? Are you manifesting the name of God in your life? Are you manifesting his spirit? The only way that we can manifest the fruit of the spirit in our life is by having a relationship with God. We can't just try really hard. Those are godly attributes. They're divine, okay? We very much in our fallen nature need the Spirit of God working in us and through us if we want to have any hope of manifesting His attributes in this world. This is the work that He wants to do in us. It may be through, we may manifest the name of God through, through teaching people, sharing Bible studies. It might just be common Christian kindness, being a smiling face in a store. It may not be, uh, you know, Preaching a series, it might be very simple things that we manifest the name and the nature of God to people around us in simple ways. But as we dedicate ourselves to the Lord each morning, every morning waking up saying, Lord, please use my life today in your service. Please help me to be more like you. Please help me to reflect your character. Lord, please help me to watch for, give me an opportunity to be a blessing today. Okay, the Lord will bring those opportunities about and he will, he will give you the words, he will give you the opportunity and as we just depend on him, he will work in us and through us. The only way that we can manifest the name of God or the fruit of God in our life is by having the transforming power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. When I was 17, I was doing all the wrong things that evening, but my last name saved me that night because of who my grandfather was. My last name saved me that night, but it's only the name of Jesus that is going to save us when he comes on the clouds of glory. It's only having the name of God in our, in our hearts and our minds, and we're showing the world who he is, That's the only thing that's going to save us as we yield our lives to the Spirit of God. Do you know him today? Are you manifesting the name of God in your life? Or do people only see you as as the same carnal self that I was when I was 17 or 18 years old? Or do they see a new creation in 2 Corinthians 5.17? That old things have been passed away. All things have been made new creatures in Christ. Jesus is looking for humble, teachable people who are willing to depend on him to work in their lives. That's the the perfect character he's looking for. A humble, teachable person who's willing to respond. Who's willing to do what he asks them to do. That's what that's what tells you who the Lord of your life is. Who do you obey? That's what a Lord is. Who's your God? Who is your God? Who's your Lord? Who do you obey? 
I pray for all of us that it's Jesus in our lives. And it doesn't mean that we don't have a bad day once in a while, because, but Jesus remembers that we're dust. He knows our frame. He knows our carnal, our carnal um, propensities. So he's very patient. It's in his name. He's long-suffering. He's very patient. And as long as we're depending on him, continuously going back to him for forgiveness, Lord, help me to overcome this thing. He will continue to work out the perfect work in us that the Bible tells us that it is God who works in us, both to will and to do for his good pleasure. We can depend on his character. What's in a name? Are you manifesting the name of God and the name of Jesus in your life? Is it your desire to do so? That's all I need to see. Is it your desire? Please stand with me as we pray and ask the Lord to, as we dedicate ourselves to him, that he would use us in our sphere of influence this week. Kind Father in heaven, thank you so much for your word. Thank you so much for the blessing, uh, Lord, preserving it for us. Thank you so much for your willingness and your desire to save us, to be a, a part of our lives Lord, that you didn't give up on us. And dear God, I just pray for each one of us that we would continue to draw closer to you, that we would continue to manifest your name, your character, your love for humanity, your desire to point other people to a saving relationship with Jesus Christ. Lord, help us to be more like you. Help us to live in a way that reflects you and your character. We thank you so much for always being with us and always taking care of us. Thank you for all the things that you do that we don't even see. Dear God, please continue to do this miraculous work in each of our lives and help us to be accurate representations of you on this planet. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.